السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكریم رب شرح لی صدری ویسر لی امری وحل العقدت من لسانی یفقه قولی رب زدنی علما باب نمبر سکسٹی فائیو باب ما یستخرجو من البحری باب ما یستخرجو ما that which یستخرجو is extracted or is taken out من البحری from the sea Meaning, is there zakat due on the treasures that are found in the sea or on things that are found thrown out of the sea? So for example, pearls, is there zakat on that? Or for example, if a person finds, let's say they go diving and they find a sunken ship and in that they find lots of gold, right? So is there zakat on that? So this is a question. وَقَالَ بْنُ عَبَّاسٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا Ibn Abbas رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ said, لَيْسَ الْعَنْبَرُ بِرِكَازٍ هُوَ شَيْءٌ دَسَرَهُ الْبَحْرُ لَيْسَ الْعَنْبَرُ Ambar is not بِرِكَاز It is not a rikaz. Rikaz, inshallah, we will look at in the next bab. But rikaz means treasure. Okay, a buried treasure. So he said that ambar is not buried treasure. Rather, it is هُوَ شَيْءٌ It is something that دَسَرَهُ الْبَحْرُ That the sea has thrown out. So Ibn Abbas said there is no zakat on ambar. Now, what exactly is Ambar? Ambar is, Ambar is called Ambergris, okay, which was mainly used in creating perfume and fragrance, similar to musk. And it's basically used as a fixative that allows a scent to last much longer. However, it's no longer used these days. It's replaced by synthetic materials. Now, Ambar is actually formed inside a sperm whale. So it's actually formed from a secretion of the bile duct. It's amazing. In the intestines of the whale. Imagine. And it can be found floating on the sea and sometimes it can also be found washed up on the coast. So, of course, it can be very valuable. So Ibn Abbas said, this is not buried treasure. There is no zakat on it. It is just something that the sea has thrown out. وَقَالَ الْحَسَنُ and Hasan meaning Hasan al-Basri He said, فِي الْعَمْبَرِ وَالْلُؤْلُؤِ الْخُمُسِ His opinion was that there is a fifth dew on عَمْبَر and لُؤْلُؤ. What is عَمْبَر? Same thing. What is لُؤْلُؤ? Pearls. So Hassan al-Basri said, a fifth is due on it. Why a fifth is due on it? Because he treated this like rikaz, like treasure. And on buried treasure, meaning if someone finds buried treasure, then a fifth is due on it. So Hassan al-Basri regarded what you find in the sea to be what? Buried treasure. But Imam Bukhari doesn't agree with that, which is why he brought the opinion of Ibn Abbas first. And then he responds. He says, فَإِنَّمَا جَعَلَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ فِي الرِّكَازِ الْخُمُسِ The Prophet وسلم, appointed a fifth to be paid on buried treasure. لَيْسَ فِي الَّذِي يُصَابُ فِي الْمَاءِ Not that which is taken out of the water. So he's basically arguing that if you find something on land, then yes, there is zakat on that. But if you find something thrown out of the sea at the coast or in the water, then there is no zakat on that. So is this clear? This is the opinion of Imam Bukhari also, and he brought the opinion of Ibn Abbas also, that anything found in the sea, there is no zakat on that. Okay, No matter how valuable, how precious it is. And then he brings a hadith. 
وقال الليث حدثني جعفر بن ربيعة عن عبد الرحمن بن هرمز عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أن رجلا من بني إسرائيل that a man from the Bani Israel سأل بعض بني إسرائيل he asked someone else from the Bani Israel بأن يسلفه ألف دينار that he should lend him a thousand dinar so basically one man borrowed a thousand dinar from the other فدفعها إليه so he gave it to him فخرج في البحر and what happened he went out to sea meaning he went to use the money whatever and then when it was time to return the money he went out to the sea فلم يجد مركبا but he did not find any means of transportation meaning no ship so what happened فأخذ خشبة he took a piece of wood فنقرها and he made a hole in it فأدخل فيها ألف دينار and he put in it a thousand dinar meaning the money that he was supposed to return he put it in the piece of wood فرما بها في البحر and then he threw that piece of wood in the sea and what happened فخرج الرجل الذي كان أسلفه and the person who had lent him the money he came out to see why to see where this man was if he had arrived or not and he didn't find him however فإذا بالخشبة but he found a piece of wood فأخذها لأهله حطبا so he took it for his family to use as firewood and then فذكر الحديث and then he mentioned the entire hadith فلما نشرها وجد المال when he cut the piece of wood he found his money now, why is Imam Bukhari bringing this hadith over here to prove that if you find anything thrown out of the water, you are allowed to take it? Like this man just took that piece of wood. There is no khumus dew on it. And it's well known that, I mean, money doesn't grow inside a piece of wood. So there's no khumus dew on it. However, if you do find something at the beach, for example, or in the water, and it's very obvious that it belongs to a person. Like it's not an ancient treasure, it's something recent. Like for example, you see a phone or you see a wallet. I mean, this is something recent. So what do you do with that? You treat it like a luqata. Okay, what is a luqata? Luqata is lost property. And the ruling regarding lost property is that if it's something of value, then what you do is you announce it for a year. You announce it for a year. Why? So that its owner can be found. And if within the year, the owner is found, he comes and claims his property, he comes and describes it, and you say, yes, this is it, you give it to him. But if let's say a year goes by, and no one claims it, and you've been announcing it, you've been advertising it, you've been trying your best to let people know, so then what? Then you can keep it. All right. However, let's say seven years later, somebody shows up and says, I saw your ad, but I wasn't able to get in touch with you. That wallet was mine. So you said, describe it to me. So he describes it and you know that it belongs to him. So then you have to return it to him. And if you feel like you don't want to take the responsibility to take care of that wallet to find the owner, then leave that property where it is. Only pick it up when you want to take the responsibility of finding the owner. All right? If you find money on the ground, don't immediately give it in sadaqah. That's your choice. That's your choice. You can leave it. Alright? Because you don't want to take the responsibility. However, you know, for instance, if you find it in a public place, like for example, a school, a mall, or something like that, then you go to the, you know, the management, and you hand it over to them. Alright? Because if someone has lost something of significant value, that's who they're going to go to. 
right? So you, you take it off of your shoulders, that responsibility. Now, this hadith is in detail in the book of Kafala in Sahih Bukhari. And I want to read the whole story to you because there is more detail in it which is not mentioned in this version. The Prophet ﷺ said, and a man from Bani Israel asked another man from the Bani Israel to lend him 1,000 dinar. The second man required witnesses, meaning the person who was going to lend required witnesses. So the first replied that Allah is sufficient as a witness. The second man said, I want a surety, meaning something as a pawn, like you deposit something with me so that when you return the money, I'll give that to you. So the first man replied, Allah is sufficient as a surety. The second man said, you are right. And he lent him the money for a certain period. The debtor went across the sea. When he finished his job, he searched for a conveyance so that he might reach in time for the repayment of the debt. But he could not find any. So he took a piece of wood and made a hole in it, inserted in it 1,000 dinar and a letter to the lender, and then closed the hole tightly. He took the piece of wood to the sea and said, O Allah, you know well that I took a loan of 1,000 dinar from so and so. He demanded a surety from me, but I told him that Allah's guarantee was sufficient. And he accepted your guarantee. He then asked for a witness, and I told him that Allah was sufficient as a witness. And he accepted you as a witness. No doubt, I tried hard to find a conveyance so that I could pay his money, but could not find. So I hand over this money to you. Saying that, he threw the piece of wood into the sea, till it went out far into it. And then he went away. Meanwhile, he started searching for a conveyance in order to reach the creditor's country. One day, the lender came out of his house to see whether a ship had arrived bringing his money. Meaning, if that man had returned. And all of a sudden, he saw the piece of wood in which his money had been deposited. He took it home to use it for fire. When he cut it up to break up the pieces to burn them, he found his money and the letter inside it. Shortly after that, the debtor came bringing 1,000 dinar to him and said, By Allah, I had been trying hard to get a boat so that I could bring you your money, but I failed to get one before the one I have come by. The lender asked, Have you sent something to me? The debtor replied, I have told you I could not get a boat other than the one I have come by. Meaning he, he didn't know if his money had reached him or not. So the lender said, Allah has delivered on your behalf the money you sent in the piece of wood. So you keep your 1,000 dinar and depart guided on the straight path. Amazing. It's amazing how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes the word of some people come true. Hmm? Because He made Allah a witness, right? He made Allah the surety. And He did His best to return the money. And where He was unable, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took charge. And this is tawakkul, right? That you know that you have limits, but you do whatever that is within your capacity. And wherever your limits are, when, when you reach that, then you leave it to Allah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of it. And then we also see how yahfazka, that you guard Allah, meaning you are conscious of Him and Allah will guard you. He will take care of you. You take care of your duty to Allah and Allah will take care of your affairs. And then we also see over here how the person who borrows money with the intention of returning it, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helps him. And also when you are honest in and eager to return the money, then again the help of Allah will come. Right? But we have to be eager and we have to do our best. So this man, he wanted to make sure that he returned the amana on time. Right? So he put the money in the piece of wood and made Allah a witness and left it to Allah. 
But then he didn't forget about it after that, right? What did he do? He found the next ship that he could and he took the money. So person who is really honest in his efforts, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make their word come true. Hmm? Anything else you'd like to say about this? Yes. It has to be one year, one lunar year and one complete year. So you cannot use it, you cannot treat it as your own until the exact year has passed. So basically, scholars have differentiated between things that are of value and things that are, that are not of value. So things that are not of much value, like for example, a pen, a notebook, or even like mittens, or for example, shoes even. I mean, depending on what kind of shoes they are. Okay, phone charger. So things like that, they're not really of much value. So often people lose these things and they don't even realize. Isn't it? They don't even miss these things. So this is a different matter. When it comes to things of value though, that is where you have to announce for an entire year. It's supposed to be ma'roof, what is known to have value. You know, in the hadith it says that you should take note of the purse and the string, meaning the details of that property, like identify them well. So that down the road if someone comes and claims it, you can know if it really belonged to them or not. And then you know what to give them back. Bab firrikaz al-khumus. Now, when it comes to rikaz, buried treasure, there is khumus on it, meaning a fifth is due on it. The question is, what exactly is rikaz? وَقَالَ مَالِكٌ وَابْنُ إِدْرِيسِ الرِّكَازُ دِفْنُ الْجَاهِلِيَّةِ Imam Malik and Ibn Idris, they said that rikaz is the difn, meaning what was buried, the treasure that was buried, in al-jahiliyyah, in the time of ignorance, meaning before Islam. فِي قَلِيلِهِ وَكَثِيرِهِ الْخُمُسُ A fifth is due on it, whether it is small or big. Meaning, let's say a person was digging and they find a pot of gold. Right? Not chocolate, but a pot of gold. And that gold happens to be very little. Very little. Meaning it's under the nisab. Still a fifth will be due on it. And if it is a lot of gold, again a fifth will be due on it. So it doesn't matter what the amount of treasure is, whether it reaches the nisab or not. Because for gold, there is a certain nisab. When it comes to zakat, for silver, there is a nisab. But when it comes to buried treasure, nisab doesn't matter. If it's gold or silver, nisab doesn't matter. What matters is that you have to give a fifth on it. Now, where it says, difnul jahiliya, okay, difnul jahiliya, this means that it was the treasure that was buried prior to Islam. By who? By the Arabs or the Romans. So basically, pre-Islamic civilizations. Or you could say non-Muslims. Because at that time, people didn't have banks. No lockers. So if you had to store your, you know, treasure, you would bury it. You know, in Surah Al-Kahf, you have the story of the wall of Musa and Khidr, where Khidr fixed the wall. Why did he fix the wall? What was under the wall? Treasure. The father had buried the treasure for his children, and the children would only be able to take it once they would be older. But if the wall fell, the treasure would be exposed, and someone else would come and take it. So that's why Khidr fixed the wall. So this is what people would do. But so often, I mean, of course, if you've buried it, 
Has it ever happened with you that you save something at home and then you forget about where you saved it, right? So just like that, when it comes to treasure also, people would not always be able to retrieve it. And then many years later, somebody finds it. So this is what Rikaz refers to primarily. What was once upon a time hidden by a non-Muslim or people of pre-Islamic civilizations. So if a person finds it, there is a hummus on it, regardless of how much or how little it is. And this hummus is due at the time that the treasure is found, not after a year. Okay, the hummus is due when? When the treasure is found, not after a year. Now, what if you find a treasure like that, but you know that it's pretty recent, it's not over 1400 years old. Or you see it and you know that this was buried by some Muslim, because you see, for example, a copy of the Quran, for example, or Bismillah written, like there are some signs which show that it belonged to a Muslim, or even like it's something recent, like a wallet full of money. So, or for example, a gold brick, right? Or gold nuggets or things like that. So again, this will be treated like a lost property then. Okay? Then it will be treated like lost property. Alright. Now, there's a very interesting story that we find. A man found a jar of gold in a monastery in Kufa. And he brought it to Ali radiallahu anhu. So Ali radiallahu anhu was the ruler at the time. He said, divide whatever you have found in it into five portions. And he said, keep four. You know, they belong to you, but give a fifth to the poor. All right. So he said, a hummus is due on it. And that goes to who? To the poor. So basically, it was treated like booty, like war booty. Because war booty, the way it's divided is that four parts go to the soldiers and one part goes to the public treasury. And from the public treasury, it goes to basically the poor and the needy. Khumus. In Surah Al-Anfal, we learn about that. So why did he treat it like booty? Because it was taken from where? From a monastery, right? Where Muslims worship? No. So it was from who? From the land of which people? Non-Muslims. All right. So this means that if a treasure is found in the land of non-Muslims, all right, where you know that this was buried by a non-Muslim, then a hummus will be due on it. So for example, you go trekking in some forest here or something and you're digging and let's say you find gold there, like lots of it, for example, right? Or you find something of value, then a hummus will be due on it. So that's one thing. Now, in another narration, we learn that the Prophet ﷺ was asked about the luqata. Right? Luqata is what? Lost property. So he said, that which is found on a much-traveled road or in an inhabited village, meaning a place where people live, people go walk around over there, then announce it for a year. If its owner comes and takes it, well and good. Otherwise, it is yours. And we know from other ahadith that the period of announcement is how long? One year. And that which was not found on a much-traveled road or in an inhabited village, meaning you find it somewhere in the wilderness, then it is subject to a khumus, meaning it will be treated like a treasure. Okay, so you find something in the wilderness, then it will be treated like a treasure, meaning a fifth will be due. Now, وَلَيْسَ الْمَعْدِنُ بِرِكَازٍ 
Now, how could this be more relevant to us? Have you seen that show where people buy like lockers and abandoned lockers, right? And they're basically looking for treasure. So people will buy like an abandoned locker, all right, storage unit, and whatever they find in it is for them. And they buy it in hopes that they'll find something of great value. So if, let's say, a person finds something of great value, great value, not as in a $300 laptop, but something like money, like cash, or something like gold, or something like jewelry, you know, something that really has a lot of value, then on that, yes, it will be treated like a treasure. Okay, why? Because there have been instances where people bought a property and they found, you know, gold in it. So this was treasure. You bought the house... You didn't pay for the treasure. So that was left by someone once upon a time. Now, وَلَيْسَ الْمَعْدِنُ kazin. How will you do that? First of all, so the announcement for the luqata, how will you do it? I mean, Kijiji, there is, you know, different Facebook, right? The other day I found on Kijiji, someone had posted that they had found a lost budgie, a bird. So they had put a picture of it and it said, you know, whoever owns it, please, this is where I found it. Right? So you can post these ads for free. It's not difficult. You can do that. I mean, people put posters for lost cats and things like that. So be creative. It's possible that the descendants left it. Or if, let's say it's it's found in a dig, like two meters underground, for example, then you know that the owner is nowhere there. So then... Uh, it would be treated like a rikaz, like a treasure. Now, وَلَيْسَ الْمَعْدِنُ بِرِكَازٍ Mardin is not buried treasure. So, وَلَيْسَ الْمَعْدِنُ بِرِكَازٍ Mines do not constitute buried treasure. وَقَدْ قَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ فِي الْمَعْدِنِ And the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said about Mardin, about mines, جُبَارٌ That they are جُبَار and وَفِرِّكَازِ الْخُمُسِ And on buried treasure is a khumus. Now, what exactly is jubar? I'll talk about that later. The hadith is coming. But basically what Imam Bukhari is saying over here is that there, the Prophet ﷺ differentiated between mardin and rikaz. Because he said, mardin is jubar and for rikaz is a khumus. If mardin and rikaz were the same thing, he would have lumped them together. He would have said that on them is a fifth. Correct? But he differentiated between them. So Imam Bukhari is saying that basically there is no khumus due on mines. Okay? So for example, if a person has bought a piece of land and let's say they find out that they discover diamonds over there and they start digging and now it's a mine. So do they have to give a fifth on every diamond that they find? No, they don't have to. Why? Because there is a difference between a treasure and a mine. What is the difference? Rikaz, a treasure, is wealth obtained without any effort. You were just walking. You were, you know, walking and you found something like that, like a treasure. But for a mine, what do you do? You employ people. You use machinery, dynamite, you know, tools. There's digging. There's, you know, paid workers. Correct? Or even if you don't hire anybody and you're digging yourself, again, you are putting in so much effort. So there's a lot of effort required when it comes to mines. But when it comes to 
treasure, buried treasure, then it just comes by chance. So, and remember that in our deen, the rule is that wherever there is effort put in, then the burden has been lightened for people. So it's not fair that there is, you know, mind digging and then on top of that people have to give a fifth. Now, this is with regards to all minds, okay, in general. Whether it is that you are getting oil or some other kind of precious metal or resource. وَأَخَذَ عُمَرُ بْنُ عَبْدِ الْعَزِيزِ عُمَرْ ibn عَبْدِ الْعَزِيزِ He took من المعادن from mines من كل مئتين خمسةً From every 200, he took five, meaning 2.5%. Why? Because this was gold and silver mine. So for gold and silver, it is said that initially he treated it like a buried treasure. So he charged a fifth. And then he said, no, it has to be 2.5%. So he treated the gold and silver like what? He gave zakat on it. So remember that for non-gold and silver mines, there is no zakat. But for gold and silver mines specifically, 2.5% is due. Now again, there is a difference of opinion regarding this. Some say that this is due on all mines. So whether it is oil or some other kind of metal or any precious resource that is extracted from a mine, they say that a certain percentage has to be given. However, other scholars say that no, there's zakat only on gold and silver mines. And this 2.5% is to be given on gold and silver at the time when the gold and silver is extracted, not after a lunar year. So basically, instead of the khumus, he took 2.5%. Now, وَقَالَ الْحَسَنُ And Hassan said, مَا كَانَ مِنْ رِكَازٍ فِي أَرْضِ الْحَرْبِ فَفِيهِ الْخُمُسِ That which is rikaz, meaning buried treasure, in أَرْضِ harb land of war, meaning enemy territory. So if there is a treasure that is obtained from enemy territory, ففيه الخمس, then there is a fifth due on it. وَمَا كَانَ مِنْ أَرْضِ السِّلْمِ فَفِيهِ الزَّكَاةِ But there is only zakat if it is in the land of peace. Meaning depending on the type of non-Muslim. If it is non-Muslims that, are, that you are at war with, then khumus is due, fifth is due. And he said, if it is from the land of non-Muslims with whom you are at peace, then only zakat is due. Okay, now, Hassan al-Basri differentiated between where the treasure is found, but others did not differentiate between this. Now he says, وَإِنْ وَجَدْتَ اللُّقَطَةَ فِي أَرْضِ الْعَدُوِّ فَعَرِّفْهَا If you find a luqata, lost property, in the land of the enemy, then make it known. Now again, what he means by land of the enemy here specifically is land of non-Muslims. But this will be when you are at peace with them that you will make it known. وَإِنْ كَانَتْ مِنَ الْعَدُوِّ فَفِيهَا الْخُمُسِ But if it belongs to the enemy, then a fifth is owed on it. Meaning it will be treated like booty. وَقَالَ بَعْضُ النَّاسِ الْمَعْدِنُ رِكَازٌ مِثْلُ دِفْنِ الْجَاهِلِيَّةِ some people said that mines are the same as what was buried in the time of Jahiliyyah. So they said that basically mines are like what? Mines are like what? Buried treasure. And this is the opinion of Imam Abu Hanifa. And Imam Bukhari refers to him as Ba'dun Nas, some people. Why? Because he's disagreeing with him here and he wants to disagree respectfully. 
because he's going to prove him wrong here. So look at the etiquette. Ba'dun nas. And this is a very beautiful etiquette that we learned that where you have to disagree with them, prove someone wrong, you know, consider their reputation and consider their respect and don't be, you know, insulting. So their proof was, Imam Abu Hanifa's proof was, لِأَنَّهُ يُقَالُ أَرْكَزَ الْمَعْدِنِ Because it is said, أَرْكَزَ الْمَعْدِنِ Meaning the word أَرْكَزَ is used for minds. إِذَا خَرَجَ مِنْهُ شَيْءٍ Meaning when something is taken out of a mine, it is said أَرْكَزَ So basically, they use the language. Now, Imam Bukhari responds, قِيلَ لَهُ It is said to him, meaning the answer to him is, that قَدْ يُقَالُ لِمَنْ وُهِبَ لَهُ شَيْءٌ It is also said to someone who is given a gift, أَوْ رَبِحَ رِبْحًا كَثِيرًا Or someone who obtains a huge profit from his business, أَوْ كَثُرَ ثَمَرُهُ Or his fruit is abundant, meaning he has a whole lot of produce, أَرْكَزْتَ So basically, Imam Bukhari is proving him wrong here, that no, أَرْكَزَ actually means to acquire a huge sum. Whether you are getting it as a gift, or you are getting it from your business, or you're getting it from your produce, or you're getting it from a mine. So basically, the argument of the other side does not hold, because the Prophet ﷺ differentiated between the mine and the treasure. So that's the main proof. And then through language also, Imam Bukhari proves over here. Now, one thing you should know is that there is no khumus on a gift that you receive or on a bonus that you receive or an inheritance because it could be a treasure for you. You know, for example, a girl gets married and now all of a sudden overnight, she is the owner of jewelry that is $500,000 worth, for example, right? Or a whole lot of money. So is she supposed to give a fifth on it? No. Likewise, a person inherits some money, a huge sum of money. Or for instance, they get a bonus from work. All right. So is there a fifth on it? No, there isn't. However, some schools of thought do say that a fifth is due. So you should be familiar with that. If, for example, you get the bonus, you have it for a year, you didn't use it at all. Is the cast due on it? Yes. You have the jewelry for the whole year sitting. Is the cast due on it? Yes. But... When you receive it first, is a fifth due on it at that time? No. But if you discover a pot of gold, is there a fifth due at the time that you discover? Yes. So there is no fifth due on precious stones or pearls or you know other things like that at the time that you extract them from the mines. Okay? However, if you use them as a business, meaning you sell them, then you have to give zakat on your income. However, that is to be calculated. Okay, so the Prophet wasallam said, the statement of the Prophet wasallam is, Jubarun wa firrikazil khumus. That doesn't say anything about mines. About the mardin, he said, it is jubar. And he said, for a treasure, a fifth is due. Imam Bukhari is bringing this hadith over here to prove that mardin and rikaz are different. They're not the same. So for rikaz, a fifth is due. And for mardin, technically nothing is due. Then he brings the action of Umar bin Abdul Aziz. That he differentiated between the mines of gold and silver and other mines. When it comes to the mines of gold and silver, then 2.5% is due at the time of extraction. But when it comes to other mines, 
then nothing is due. I mean, if he has it for a year, then it'll be treated like that. Now, one last thing over here before we move on to the hadith. Inshallah, the hadith will also help. Okay. ثُمَّ نَاقَضَ وَقَالَ لَا بَأْسَ أَنْ يَكْتُمَهُ فَلَا يُؤَدِّيَ الْخُمُسِ Then he said, meaning Imam Abu Hanifa said, that لَا بَأْسَ, there is no harm, أَنْ يَكْتُمَهُ, that he conceals it, meaning he keeps it with himself, that entire treasure, فَلَا يُؤَدِّيَ الْخُمُسِ and he does not pay the fifth. And from other narrations we learned that what he meant to say was that if, let's say, the person who discovers the treasure is a really poor person, he himself falls in the category of faqir and miskin. Then you know what? He can keep 100% of that treasure. He doesn't have to give a fifth. Why? Because when he will give the fifth, who will he give it to? The poor and the needy, right? But he himself is poor and needy. And is there any evidence from the sunnah for this? Yeah? What is the evidence? Exactly. So there was a man, he committed a certain sin and he had to give a kafara. Right? So he went to the Prophet wasallam. And the Prophet said, give the kafara. He said, I have nothing. So he told him to wait. Somebody brought some charity. So the Prophet said, take this and give it to the poor. He said, well, my family is the poorest. So he said, okay, take it home. Right? So basically, that's what Imam Abu Hanifa said, that if someone is poor himself, so instead of giving it to another poor person, he can just keep all of it for himself. Now let's look at the hadith. حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف أخبرنا مالك عن ابن شهاب عن سعيد بن المسيب وعن أبي سلمة بن عبد الرحمن عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said العجماء جبار عجماء meaning mute animals, dumb animals all animals are like that basically animals are jubar I'll explain jubar والبئر and the well is also jubar والمعدن and the mine is also jubar. وَفِرِّكَازِ الْخُمُسِ And for the buried treasure is a fifth, meaning a fifth is due on it. So basically the Prophet ﷺ distinguished between mardin and rikaz in his wording. This is the reason why Imam Bukhari is bringing this hadith here to prove the difference between mardin and rikaz. Now what exactly is this jubar? Jubar is the opposite of qisas, you can say. You see, there are certain crimes or even accidents for which qisas is due. Like, for example, if a person in his anger hits another and breaks his tooth, then is qisas due? Yes. What is qisas? The law of equal retribution. Okay, that if one person's tooth is broken, then the other person's tooth will also be broken. Technically, that's the law. Unless the victim forgives. Now, jubar is a thing of which no revenge or retaliation is taken. So when he said that al-ajma'u jubarun, meaning if an animal hits you, you're not going to take qisas with the animal. That doesn't make sense. Now, the thing is that if an animal hurts another person, okay, and this animal is owned by someone, Okay, we're not talking about wild animals, we're talking about domesticated animals, alright, or pets or whatever. If they're owned by someone, and this animal ends up harming another person, or harming someone's property, then in that case, there's no revenge. Of course, you're not going to take revenge from the animal, are you going to take it from the owner? Is the owner responsible? No, he's not. It's not his fault, 
I mean, an, an animal is an animal. Like for example, a camel is tied and a child goes and starts bothering that camel and the camel kicks him, for instance. All right, and the boy gets hurt. So the father goes to the owner that your camel hit my son. So it's not the owner's fault. You can't blame the animal over here because the animal was tied up. So the child should have been restrained. You understand? Likewise, if the camel goes and eats from someone's property, then that person cannot go to the owner and say that, you know what, this is not fair, you give me my money. So, al-ajma'u jubarun. One thing, however, it should be noted that if the owner was irresponsible, okay, if the owner of the animal was irresponsible, like for example, he didn't tie him, didn't lock him properly, or for example, kept the animal hungry, so the animal was aggressive. Or tied the animal in a place where it could reach the property of someone else and destroy it. Then the owner is guilty. Because it is his responsibility to control his animal, right? But I mean, there's only so much that you can do. If he fulfilled, if he did his part, and this is unexpected behavior, then the owner is not responsible. Our deen is so just that you have a responsibility until a certain point, but then after that, people are responsible because they are able to speak and defend themselves and animals are not able to speak. Right? And the word ajma is very interesting over here because if a person is bothering you, you can tell them, please go away. But an animal is not going to say go away. The animal is going to attack. The second thing is walbi'ru jubarun. That a well is also jubar. Meaning if a person hires someone to dig a well or to fix it, repair it, and that person gets injured, then is there qisas taken over here from the owner? No. From the person who, who employed? No. Even if he dies, let's say he was digging the well, the man was digging the well, he fell, he died. So now the person who hired him, is it his fault? No. Because the worker, the person who was hired to dig the well, knew the risks involved in that job. Correct? He knew about them. And he willingly took on that job. So it's not the responsibility of the person whose land it was or the person who hired him to pay a fine or do qisas over here. However, if let's say that person knew of certain risks and he did not tell the worker, you understand? He did not tell him. And so the worker was not prepared. He did not take those extra measures for safety. And he still agreed to do that work because he was blind to the dangers, then in that case, the owner will be or the person who hired him will be fined. He is liable. Then, وَالْمَعْدِنُ jubarun. The mine is also jubar. Same thing. If someone hires someone to dig a mine or something like that, they get injured, they get trapped, they even die. It's not the liability of the person who hired them. Because the workers knew the risks involved and they willingly took on this work. Again, if the person who hired them knew of certain dangers and risks and he himself did not inform them out of fear that if I tell them, they'll never work for me. Then is he liable? Yes, he's liable. So it is the owner's responsibility or the person hiring his responsibility to ensure that the risks are clear 
and that he has done his part to ensure the safety of the workers. If the owner makes clear, the person hiring employer makes clear that this ladder is rickety, I don't know how stable it is. He says, oh, no big deal, I can manage. And he himself goes on it, then it's his responsibility. I mean, if on your property there is an open ditch, you know, or a gutter without any, you know, proper covering, no warning signs, and it happens. So often recently I heard a child fell into a gutter like that and died. They couldn't find his body for so long. So, I mean, it's your responsibility that if it's your property and you know that children or people like that go, then you have to make sure that you don't leave it exposed. You put the warning signs at least.